If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Story time. The Appalachian Mountains rise tall and proud, with their rugged peaks and dense forests that stretch as far as the eye can see. As a park ranger and a native of the area, I was no stranger to the beauty and majesty of the mountains. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. But even I was not prepared for what I encountered one fateful night. I received a distress call from my tribe, who were residing deep within the Appalachian woods. They told me that something strange was happening in the forest, and that they needed my help. I immediately set out to investigate, knowing that the safety of my tribe was at stake. As I approached the reservation, I was struck by the beauty of the forest. The towering trees loomed over me, casting dappled shadows on the forest floor. The sound of rustling leaves and rushing water filled the air, and I couldn't help but feel a sense of awe and reverence for the land. But my sense of wonder was short-lived. As I was patrolling the reservation, I was suddenly attacked by an unknown predator. It was a monster unlike anything I had ever seen before. Its eyes were wild, and its howls echoed through the forest. It was a Wendigo, a spirit of the northern forest that was said to drive people mad with hunger. I fought back with all my strength, but the Wendigo was too powerful. I managed to wound it, but it disappeared into the forest before I could finish it off. I was left confused and disoriented, struggling to make sense of what had just happened. Eventually, my tribe found me, and I told them what had transpired in the forest. They were shocked and frightened by my story, and they feared that the Wendigo would return. 
but I was determined to protect my tribe, and the next day, I set out into the forest once again, this time armed with preparation. I knew that the conflict with the Wendigo was not over, but I was ready for the challenge. I knew that the safety of my tribe and the balance of the forest were at stake, and I was determined to put an end to the terror of the Wendigo, once and for all. Again, as I entered the forest, I felt a strange sense of calm wash over me. I knew that I was not alone, that my ancestors were with me, guiding me towards the Wendigo. The sound of rustling leaves grew louder, and out of nowhere he appeared in front of me. I soon found myself facing the monster once again. This time, I was ready. I called upon the spirits of the land and reached for a 12-gauge. An exciting feeling surged through my body. The Wendigo howled in rage as it felt the bullet go through its thick skin. Unfortunately it lunged at me with its razor-sharp claws. Our battle was intense, and the forest shook with the fury of our fight. The Wendigo was strong, but I was stronger. I could feel the power of my ancestors flowing through me, and I knew that I was going to win. With one final bullet, I defeated the Wendigo and he just turned over and ran. The forest grew quiet, and I felt a sense of peace settle over the land. The balance had been restored, and my tribe was safe once again. I returned to the reservation, where my tribe was waiting for me. They welcomed me with open arms, and I could see the relief in their eyes. They knew that I had saved them from the Wendigo, and they were grateful. From that day on, I was known as the protector of the Appalachian Woods, and my tribe held me in high esteem. I learned that the magic of the land was powerful, and that it was our duty to respect and protect it, so that future generations could enjoy the beauty and majesty of the mountains. As a native Michigander, I remember back in the 90s my stepbrother, James, my cousin Lalo, and three other friends of mine and I were up at Houghton Lake during the summer. For some fishing, swimming, drinking, and smoking weed. Things that guys do in their 20s. It was fun and great memories and none of us have ever heard let alone know about Dogman. Anyways, it was an uneventful day besides the typical fun we all had. Now as the day was ending and the sun was going down, not quite sunset but close. We all packed into Jamie's Ford S10 pickup after we finished cleaning up and packing our barbecue and fishing equipment. Lalo had another joint left at the time real good red hair sensi. James was like, there's a dirt road that goes around the lake. Do you guys want to drive down it and see where it goes? We all said yes and we drove out to explore this newly found road. So as we're driving down this dirt road the foliage was like prehistoric times. With huge ferns as shrubbery. The sun was beginning to set and the tree canopy was making its surrounding area darker than it is. So James pulls over on the side of the road turns off the engine gets out and starts walking into the woods. Someone asked what he was doing and James replied, I'm going to explore the area. So we all get out and follow behind him. There's no trail so James, who's leading is making a trail. Well, there's an incline and we're all walking up and it's getting darker every second. Suddenly James stops and my cousin who's behind James asks why he stopped. James from what I was told later said, do you hear that? Looking intently into the growing darkness of the woods. 
Lalo says yeah what is it? I don't know answered James. Now we all stopped wondering what was going on. Now we didn't go too far into the thick woods maybe 50 yards up the slope. Suddenly I hear oh shit. And see James running past me and I hear my cousin saying the same thing seconds later and running back down to the truck. I'm last in the liberty confused since information is barely reaching me, but my cousin and stepbrother are running for their lives. Remember it now getting pitch dark and as everyone else except me is turned around making their way back to James's pickup I start hearing branches or sticks breaking. By now I'm the only one who hadn't turned around yet, and it's only been seconds. So I hear sticks maybe branches breaking and something is making its way towards me and it's picking up speed. I then around now filled with fear and run as fast as I can down the slope, I tripped on an exposed tree root and sprained my ankle but I don't stop and continued my way to the pickup. This thing was close behind me. Now I'm about 5 maybe 10 feet away from James's pickup and all the guys were in it yelling at me to hurry up. I dive onto the bed of James's truck. James steps on the gas and peels out as fast as that V6 can take that tiny S10. All I can hear is, did you see that? What the hell was it? James is saying yeah. And I don't know. I and Brian were asked what did they see? James couldn't answer because he wasn't sure neither could my cousin. They both just said they can't believe it. Now, I never saw anything nor did my two other friends who were behind my cousin. Just James and Lalo saw it and they never elaborated on what they saw. Maybe they couldn't believe their eyes? I was maybe 25 years old at the time and today I'm 52. I only knew of Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and UFOs. It was only 5 years ago did I first hear about the Dogman. I know there is another Dogman encounter surrounding the Houghton Lake area. Did they see a Dogman? I don't know, but this is my experience and belief that they did. I don't talk to my stepbrother or my cousin Lalo and haven't in 15 years. Still, I can't help but think about what exactly did they both see. I grew up all over the rural southern US, from the Appalachian Mountains to the swamps, backwoods and bayous of the Deep South, where I spent most of my free time deep in the woods up into my early 20s. I spent a lot of my time hiking, camping, hunting and fishing and have always felt at home and at peace miles from nowhere, the more remote the better. I'm well educated, I have a degree in a field of science and and have seen various types of wildlife like coyotes, wolves, panthers and bears in the wild. When I was about 17 my family moved to the Florida Panhandle. The woods in that area and around my house went on for many, many miles and are only interrupted by the occasional creek, river, country road or farm. There really are many miles of woods that see very little traffic out there. I was told by the locals that the area around my house had special significance to the Native Americans and on a few occasions people alluded to things being odd in that area but no one ever told me anything specific. If anything, the few who seemed to know anything got weird and quiet if I pressed them about why they made remarks about the woods so I dismissed it and lived my outdoor life as I normally would. On one occasion some friends came over to our property and we decided to go camping. 
We went down to one of the creek bottoms a mile behind the house and hung out for a while but after remembering all of the water moccasins that hung out down there, I decided against camping out there out of concern that I might get bitten by a snake in the dark. There were a lot of cottonmouths down there and they become more active at night. So around dusk I and another kid went back to the house and the other two were going to camp out for the night. Probably an hour after dark the other two showed up looking shaken. They said that they were going to sleep inside too. They seemed spooked but when I asked them if something was wrong they got weird and clammed up. The next day we went back to the creek bottom to goof around and do teenager stuff. One of my friends had brought his rifle which he seemed eager to try out. It was one of those old Chinese SKSs. We were messing around the campsite they had abandoned the night before when one of them commented about seeing something that looked like the invisible thing from the movie Predator. I thought they were being silly but they were insistent so we looked around and saw nothing. A little while later the friend with the rifle fired a shot up into the trees which was immediately followed by a huge splash in the creek. When I looked at the creek I saw large waves from the impact, like someone had thrown something really big into it with a lot of force. For a fraction of a second, I thought I something brown and blurry in the creek but before my eyes could even focus on it, nothing was there to be seen. Yet there were the waves, still moving, it was weird. I was surprised, I didn't know that he had intended to shoot at anything and had been looking the other way. My other friends didn't seem to know what had just happened either. We asked him what just happened and he said, I saw a large hairy thing up in that large limb of the tree and shot it. I know that was absolutely irresponsible of him. I asked him what he just shot, was it a raccoon or something? No, he said, it looked like something out of a zoo, kind of like a big monkey or something but it had a face and it was looking at me. I must have hit it because it fell into the creek. All of this happened in less than a minute and we ran the 25 feet over to the creek where we'll had all heard the splash, there was still a slight disturbance in the water but we never saw anything. When I questioned the friend, he reiterated that he saw a hairy thing that reminded him of something similar to a baboon looking at him from on top of a large limb of the tree but it repeated, it had a face and it was looking at him. I asked him, what do you mean, it had a face? Like a human face? He said, no, it wasn't human but it didn't look like any animal's face that I have ever seen. It didn't look like a monkey's face either, it was. Different. We searched the banks and looked around but didn't find anything. We even walked down the creek a good ways to see if he had killed something and it had floated away. We never found anything, no blood, no tracks, no fur. But whatever had happened, he had irresponsibly shot at something and even if out of surprise, it had fallen into the creek but we never found any sign of it. It was shortly after this that things started feeling weird, a little eerie and we called it a day. I never knew what to think of that event and I think I had written it off as something that either just didn't make sense or some kind of crazy, very successful prank. I even asked the other two guys if they were screwing with me and they swore that they hadn't done anything. One of them did see him fire the rifle but didn't know what he was shooting at. He said he saw something fall in his peripheral vision but when he looked in the creek there wasn't anything there. Life continued on as normal and I spent a lot of my free time hiking, exploring and looking for fishing holes off of that small creek.
At some point after this I started having weird experiences in the woods periodically. Sometimes, usually late in the day or at dusk I would get the feeling that I was being watched. The feeling wasn't there most of the time, it would just happen on occasion. I started noticing that sometimes in the evening I would hear strange animal noises from the surrounding woods. A few times it sounded like a blood-curdling scream, once it sounded like a roar and a few times it sounded like some type of odd bird-like cry, similar to a peacock. Being familiar with animals I always tried to deduce what animal had made the various noises. I concluded that the screams must be a panther, that the roar must have been a bear but the peacock noises made no sense, there were three neighbors within the next mile and a half on that isolated road and none of them had peacocks. Then late one evening, I heard a more intimidating scream than before, it just sounded bizarre and caused me a sense of fear and dread. The scream sounded like a woman being murdered, I don't know how else to describe it. It was high pitch, shrill and loud but it seemed too loud and lasted too long to be a human. I figured it must have been a panther but it didn't feel right and sent chills down my spine. It was during the last bit of twilight before total darkness and I hurried my butt back to my house. Sometime after that the occasional sense of being watched and followed began to feel stronger and more malevolent. On a couple of occasions after that when I was out in the woods I felt that I was not just being watched, I was being hunted and that my life was in danger. I never saw or heard anything. The woods were always silent when this happened and I always quickly made my way home but made a point to walk as I felt running might trigger a predator like a panther to chase me if that's what it was. Whatever it was, I felt like I was in imminent danger of death. It was a consuming feeling like nothing that I've ever felt. One day during this time my little brother and his friends came running excitedly up to me and told me that two of them had seen a bear. Being that there this area had been heavily hunted for many years and there were not supposed to be any bears anywhere near this part of Florida I asked them what they saw. They said that they had turned around and seen the hind end of something on all fours walking into the edge of the forest. They only saw the very end of the creature and could only see the upper part of the back legs and its back right above the legs. They said it was brown, it had hair and that it was much bigger than a dog so it must have been a bear. Again, there are no bears known to exist anywhere near there. At some point after this I was out hiking again one day and had made a point to bring my shotgun loaded with four shot which was the largest pellets that I had. I had begun carrying it when hiking as a precaution to whatever was out there, I was still leaning towards it being a panther. I didn't know what else it could be that would stalk a human and go undetected. I had noticed that the strange feelings and various strange sounds seemed to happen around dusk or at night so I had started making a point to get back home well before dark. This time I had stayed out too late, dusk was beginning as I was making my way home when I felt it again. Something was watching me, no, it felt like something was after me. The level of fear and the senses that this thing triggered were completely different from anything that I had ever felt. I knew I was being stalked but I couldn't see or hear anything as I made my way home. Whatever the thing was it seemed to move with me as I had walked hundreds of yards but the feeling had only grown stronger. I felt like my life was in peril, like something was about to lunge out and kill me, every hair on my body seemed to be standing up and I felt certain that whatever it was, that shotgun wasn't going to stop it. 
Despite the terror I was feeling I forced myself to stop and scan the woods looking at both the ground and the trees thinking that I might see a panther nearby readying itself to pounce on me. There was nothing that I could see or hear, everything was deathly quiet. It was about this time that I first remember an inner voice saying something like, don't stop. Go. Quick. Don't run. I started praying as I walked to the house. In every fiber of my being I felt a sense of malice and intent, whatever this was, it wanted to kill me. I felt sheer terror, sheer dread in a way I had never felt in my now 17 years. Remember, I grew up in very rural areas full of remote, isolated spots. Those places were where I felt most at peace, animals didn't scare me but whatever this was did. That feeling was terrifying and consuming. It was all that I could do to walk home, clutching my useless shotgun praying to God to protect me. And he did. Usually when I got within two to three hundred yards of my house the feeling would subside, this time the feeling followed me right up to about fifty yards from my home. I continued praying and as I reached it the feeling eased off but I felt like whatever it was was nearby watching. From that day on I started occasionally feeling a malevolent presence emanating from the nearby woods. Sometimes it didn't feel safe in my own yard at night. I remember one time when I walked into the backyard and heard the scream again. It sounded like a woman screaming in terror only extremely loud and it lasted too long to be a human and then it transitioned to a something like a baby crying but it the crying changed to become distorted and twisted and it just felt and sounded like something that was wicked was trying to frighten me. From that point on I avoided the woods, especially when alone or in the evenings. I turned to partying and tried to push the vents from my mind. A year or two had passed without incident and I had gotten too relaxed. Sometimes I get the occasional itch to go for a stroll at night, the moon was mostly full, the sky was clear with lots of stars, it was a bright, beautiful early autumn night. I still had enough apprehension to stay out of the fields and woods, especially alone at night, so I decided to go for a walk down the rural country road. It was probably around midnight. I had walked several hundred yards down the paved road and cut across the corner of someone's cow pasture to get to a dirt road. I had gone through an electric fence and had made it about 50 yards through the pasture when I heard something moving in the adjacent corn field on the opposite side of the dirt road from the pasture. I stopped and listened and heard the sound of something big moving quickly through the corn rows. At first I thought it might be a deer until I realized that the steps and movement sounded bipedal and large. Several times it moved and then paused, then moved through the corn quickly again. After hearing the movement several times, suddenly the sound of movement was followed by the sound of a rabbit squealing. I instinctively crouched, peering into the darkness. Up until this moment I had only been curious as to what kind of animal I had gotten close to. I had no way of fathoming what was about to step out. I saw a large bipedal figure walk out of the corn field. It crossed the dirt road and stepped over the electric fence midstride without pause or effort. In the bright light of the moon and stars I could make out some details. Its head had significant wolf-like features, a long snout and pointed ears. It was taller than a human, maybe seven feet, possibly a little more and it walked leaning forward with its shoulders hunched forward, like it was slightly crouched. It was covered in hair, 
but the hair seemed thinner or shorter on much of its torso and arms. I remember noticing it had a very lean, powerful, muscular build. Its arms seemed unusually long and hung low as it moved and it clutched something in one of what appeared to be long hands. I couldn't make out its color because of the limited light, it just appeared dark colored. I never noticed a tail or whether it had the double knees these creatures are often portrayed as having. Despite being a semi-bright night a lot of its body from the waist down was obscured in shadow. It crouched on the ground clutching the rabbit in both hands and I started hearing wet and crunching noises and realized that it was eating the rabbit. It was squatting low on the ground, holding it with both of its hands, eating it like you might eat a fried chicken drumstick and thigh with two hands. At this point I guess it couldn't have been more than 40 yards from me, it's hard to remember details you didn't think about at the time many years later. I had on a camouflage jacket and jeans and I remember trying to make myself small while crouching and hoping it wouldn't notice me when it paused and sniffed as if smelling something, then it raised its head up and sniffed the air. It was at that moment that I thought, crap, I hope it isn't smelling my scent. At that moment it looked directly at me and emitted this low guttural growl and I swear its eyes flashed red, something that I've never seen an animal do without a light reflecting in them. It was less bright than when a light reflects directly in an animal's eyes but distinct enough I could see the red eyes briefly flicker in the darkness. This didn't appear to be reflected light, it appeared to come from the creature for a split second and then disappeared. Bizarre, I know. Looking directly at me, the creature stood up like it was challenging me and growled this low guttural growl that I heard from the 40 yards, or less, away. At that moment I felt fear overwhelm me, I had this overwhelming urge to haul us back to my house but something inside, something told me not to run, that if I did it would catch me and kill me. When I previously told about all of the times I felt hunted and I felt a sense of unnatural terror like my life was about to be forfeit in the most sudden, violent way. Well now it was like I was looking at the source eye to eye. Somehow I knew that this creature was a bad, wicked thing, far more powerful than me and something like an inaudible voice kept telling me if I ran my life was forfeit. Walk, don't run. Pray. Stay calm. These thoughts kept going through my head but they weren't coming from my conscious mind. I slowly backed out of the field, never turning my back to the creature until briefly when I had to cross the electric fence, even then I tried to not turn my back completely to it and keep one eye on it. At this point it had moved deeper into the shadows of the pasture and was moving parallel to the direction I was going. I would occasionally hear it moving through the field, still staying parallel to me as I had begun to walk down the paved road towards my home. As I moved down the black top I came to a section of woods with no houses or lights nearby. I had to walk through at least a few hundred yards of wooded road to get back to my house and there was only one house on the way, no lights anywhere and nothing but woods. The thing tracked alongside me the whole way, moving through the woods in the darkness with absolute ease. Occasionally I would hear a branch crack or the swish of vegetation and a few times it stopped to growl that low guttural growl at me. It's odd how I could hear it growl, I don't think I would have heard a dog growling at that distance. The entire time I felt this overwhelming sense of dread, fear and imminent, inescapable death. I continued to listen to the internal voice and prayed hard the whole way. 
It kept telling me to walk, not to run and to pray. I prayed, oh did I pray. I don't know if it was the voice or my intuition but I somehow knew with absolute certainty that if I ran it would kill me. There was something symbolic about the act of fleeing from this evil and I knew if I did, everything was over. As I walked through the dark wooded stretch of road I remember wondering if any of my remains would be found and if so what they would claim did it. I kept feeling like I was going to be killed at any moment. Time seemed to drag on, it seemed like forever until I got close to my house. I finally reached my driveway and even walked backwards up a hill to my house because I didn't want to turn my back to it. Sure enough, it was across the road from my house, growling from the edge of the tree line and bushes. I finally bolted when I got about 10 yards from my door. I ran through the house locking doors and grabbed my old shotgun even though I felt certain that the small game loads I had and it wouldn't do anything but piss the thing off. I was too afraid to look out the windows as I knew it was outside and feared seeing it looking back at me through the windows. The feeling this thing gave me was not just a dangerous one, it was an evil feeling like this was a wicked, unnatural thing. I sat in my room and prayed, if memory serves, until dawn broke. A few weeks or months later, sorry I can't remember the specifics, my little sister came downstairs sometime around or after 1am white as a ghost and panic-stricken. She was terrified, you could see it all over her. When I asked my family what was wrong they told me she had seen a bear crouching outside of her window. She had woken up to a terrifying feeling, knew something was watching her sleep and when she looked at the window next to her bed she saw a bear with big red eyes staring at her. My sister slept in a bedroom on the second floor but the garage adjoining that part of the house was one story, something had climbed up on the roof of the garage and had been intently watching her through the window. I asked her point blank if she was sure it was a bear, I could tell she was terrified and didn't want to acknowledge something. She responded with, it was covered in hair, had big red eyes and was staring at me sleeping through the window. I was asleep when I woke up with a feeling of terror, I knew something was watching me. It felt like it was bad. I'm paraphrasing as this was many years ago. I was generally too afraid to go back in the woods around my house after that, but when I did summon up the courage I would periodically have to abruptly stop hikes in the woods near the house. Everything would be fine and then I would suddenly become overwhelmed with the ominous feeling that I was living on borrowed time, that the creature was stalking me and that it was about to kill me. I almost always left immediately, feeling like the shotgun in my hands that I carried was useless. On multiple occasions when this happened I felt the inner voice again, telling me to leave now, walk, don't run and to pray. On the couple of occasions that I lingered momentarily to scan the woods for the creature I never saw anything but it felt like it grew closer and the danger grew more imminent so I always left. It was around this time that I found someone's white domestic rabbit hanging from a tree branch in the woods disemboweled and with its eyes plucked out. It was hanging from a branch about 5 feet off the ground. It struck me that it was like it was meant to be seen slash found as it was placed in a highly visible location right behind someone's property line at a level at the edge of a field beside the woods where this thing seemed to frequent, it just seemed significant. It was about that time that I learned that Native Americans lived on the nearby adjacent property who were reputed to use blood magic that was evil and bad stuff. 
I was told this by another Native American who told me to stay away from them, I'm part Native too. We lived near a reservation and multiple Natives had told me about someone who was a known shapeshifter, someone who had purportedly demonstrated their ability to shift into animals and they had ties to this family. The few times someone told me something like that they always acted like it was a taboo thing that they should not be speaking of. I don't know if it's relevant but it feels like it all might be connected. A couple of years later a friend of mine came to pick me up to take me to a nearby city. We pulled out of my driveway after midnight and right down the road from my house we saw a pair of huge wolves standing a few feet from the road calming watching us, even staring at the car from a few feet away as we passed. Their presence and behavior seemed and felt very unnatural and my friend who had grown up there freaked out. He became pale, sweaty and started stuttering telling me those are wolves. Those are huge. The only wolves in Florida are a few red wolves which almost look like big coyotes, they have reddish-brown coloring and are very small for a wolf. These individuals were silver, gray and black, and I guess they looked to weigh about 140 and 180 pounds. One was smaller than the other and when I looked at them I instinctively knew they were a pair, one male, one female. The red wolves aren't present anywhere near that part of the Florida panhandle and this was something entirely different. I questioned my uncle, a state biologist and a huge outdoorsman and he told me there were very few red wolves in Florida, they were nowhere near that size and there were none anywhere near me. Similarly there weren't any red-eyed, roof-sitting, window-peering bears in the area as all the bears in the area had been hunted out many years ago. I don't know what the true nature of what I experienced was but it always left me with the sense that it had a very strong supernatural element. Yes, these things had physical forms but there was something more, something supernatural. My friend knew something but he was so terrified that all he would tell me is that there were natives in the area and that part of the woods was special to them and then he would get an even more terrified look, clam up and change the subject. He used to have a house in that immediate area and he said strange things happened, there was something bad around the house, something in those woods, he said that their house mysteriously burnt down one day when no one was home. They had it rebuilt and it caught on fire and burned down a second time when no one was home. Whatever happened spooked him was so scary that they bought a new home many miles away and he was spooked to even think about it. When locals told me of natives who were purportedly shifters I began researching and learned that many tribes had beliefs of dark magic that would allow them to transform much like the skinwalkers. These rituals are always dark rituals that involve blood, sacrifice or some other dark or evil deeds. After that I just stayed completely out of the woods around the house and I didn't walk further than the barn behind the house at night. There will still several incidents more loud piercing screams in the night. Once or twice I heard a baby crying out in the woods during the middle of the night. As I thought to myself, that's no baby, something is trying to lure me out there or screw with me the sound changed from the very distinctive sound of a baby into something wicked and unnatural, almost like an evil, twisted mockery of the sound of a baby crying. I felt that it was literally trying to mess with me, trying to instill terror and let me know that it was there. One time I had to talk my brother and a friend out of going into the woods to look for the baby and again as soon as everyone agreed that there couldn't possibly be a baby crying that loudly in the woods in the middle of the night, 
The sound changed into something wicked which would curdle your blood. There was also another occasion where we heard puppies crying out from a ditch in the edge of the woods in the middle of the night. Once again a couple of friends wanted to rush out there to rescue the puppies and once again as soon as I pointed out that it couldn't possibly be puppies out there in the woods in the middle of the night in BFE, the sound changed and it was always a wicked terrifying sound, almost like some evil thing was trying to create the most disturbing sounds it could. Shortly after this I moved away and rarely visited that home and all of my encounters of this nature ended when I left. Years later the house was sold. In these hills and hollows I am not surprised often. You fall into a rhythm here, the longer you spend, the less things you see or hear around truly surprises you. One animal that always surprises me is a cat. I was nine when I realized that my mom's barn cat always ate the heads first on mice, I was eleven when I realized all cats do that, big and small. I was walking up the headwaters of a tributary of Elk River. Elk River is a wild stream. It boils, rolls, and digs deep the holes that incur the full wrath of that river. The streams that feed the elk are steep, fast, and cold most of the year, but in August, everything heats up. Big trout escape the warming water by sneaking up any small streams not dried up, and eat any fish or creature they can fit in their gullet. Seriously, I caught a brown just over 20 yard half a mile up a gully in a stream you could stand on both sides. But I digress, me and a friend used to catch a ride with his older brother, a log truck driver. He would drop us off at one of those tributaries in the morning, and pick us back up on his last trip of the evening. Only thing he would tell us, watch out for rattlers, and have you ass beside the road at five, or you walk and toss lady. So with a sack lunch, and fishing poles, we would take off into the shadowy hollers. Me and Nub was leapfrogging up this long, rocky creek, catching brookies in every hole, fishing towards lunchtime at the head of the stream. I got a little away from Nub in a long steep stretch of unfishable white water leading up to a set of falls. As I finally found a piece of land flat enough to rest above the falls, I looked around and I see something off about this laurel thicket, limbs bent the wrong way, leaves turned up like it was broken, I walked closer and it looked like something grayish-white hanging way up in the tree. Nub finally caught up to me, bragging over the roar of the water how he, he's caught, and released, over 47 on this stream, and how there ain't no trout above those falls, and why do I always climb up and fish past them on dead water, and he seen me standing there, surprised. Nub stopped, caught his breath, and asked me why the hell I was staring at the sun. I said shut up and look at that tree, what is hanging from it? We walked closer, and it looked oddly familiar, that's when I realized it was deer hair, hell that's a deer carcass hanging up in that tree, an old one, but a carcass just the same. We couldn't figure out how it got way up there. It was close to noon, and we was a long way from the hall road, let's eat lunch, and start making our way down. I popped a can of beanie weenies, and dug out a bologna sandwich, and Nub pulled out two cans of pop, and handed me one. We set 30 yards away from our conversation piece and ate lunch. After we satisfied our growling bellies, we sat and rested for a few minutes. Nub stood up to go wander of and take a piss.
How you reckon that deer got up there? He said. Hell, I don't know nub, maybe it climbed up there and died, or something dragged. It. Up there. I stood straight up. Nub, you ever knew a bear to drag anything up a tree? Why would it, nothing is running a bear off a whole deer on the ground, not coyotes, not hounds. Not another bear. When he turned around I could see the fear all over him. We silently packed up lunch, broke down our poles, and commenced to get out of there as quickly, and quietly as we could. We made it back to the hall road an hour before his brother was coming out, and left an arrow pointing out made of sticks, so he knew we started walking out, and to catch us on the way, and then it started to rain. We were halfway back to the old mill, when I heard that old tri-axle rumbling up the hall road. We took shelter under a overgrown iron tree beside the road, not like it mattered, and waited for him to catch up. We climbed up in the truck, stashed our gear, and told him what we saw, as he drove us out. We stopped at the mill to unload, and Nub's brother told us to come on, we have to talk to someone. We told our story to an older gentleman who worked at the mill, and he drove us back down the hall road and marked that hollow with a pink ribbon. Years later I found out that old man was a farmer, and he had been losing sheep for years, and finding them hanging in the treetops, young calves too. We had stumbled into the hollow that cat called home. What he did to that cat, I know not, I don't want to know, but we never fished anything that ran into the elk until I got old enough to handle myself, never unarmed, and never alone. That was my first experience with big cats. Me and some of my good friends were going to hike in 5 miles on a Friday, fish an inaccessible section of the river for a state record, and hike out Sunday. I say it's inaccessible because the whole river gets pushed into a canyon for 3 miles, and the only way you can fish it is stay in the water, occasionally swimming between holes. Well, something happened and they couldn't come down till Saturday morning. I hiked in, made sure the trail was marked well for them, set up camp in the afternoon, and took off for the river to catch supper. I fished a few holes below camp to catch supper, and ended up catching 4 over 20 inches. I cooked them up in a frying pan I kept hidden back there, and the sky started clouding up, long black rolling clouds with a touch of green. I double-checked my tarps, dug a shallow ditch around camp, made sure my tarp was hung well over the fire, and then it came all the sudden. It was blowing sideways, but I didn't worry, I know how to build strong shelters. I broke out the bottle of bourbon I rolled in the center of my bedroll, leaned back in my hammock and watched it just pour it down. The lightning was constant, and it started to crack all around me. I had a good view as twilight was starting of the tracks across the river. With a boom, I watched lightning strike the tracks and run right up the rails for 50 yards. I took a few long drinks out of the bottle and dozed off as the storm calmed down to a drizzle in the dark. I awoke to the steady dripping of rain falling off the timber of a storm long since passed in the pitch black. The fire had died down to just a glow of hot coals, and I didn't set my lantern out in the rain. I dug in the pocket of my hammock for my flashlight. I had the sense to put my pistol in my flashlight before I dozed off in my hammock. As I was rolling out of my hammock I heard a sound in front of me within 15 yards, and then a squeal to my right, 
and a growling slash purr. I soon heard it all around me. The hair started standing up on my neck as I couldn't place what kind of creatures made all those sounds, or could be that numerous. I sat real still, waiting on a moment for whatever it was to stop where I could spot it with my flashlight, and my gun. I turned on my light and seen eyes through the sights of my gun, eyes about half a foot setting on the moss squalling, and I smiled. In my buzz slash sleepy state, I had left the remainder of my fish setting in the skillet on the rocks beside the fire, and a whole family of raccoons had sniffed them out. I took a few minutes to stoke the fire up with some dry pine, took the skillet full of fish, and threw them just out of sight of the light from camp. With one loud clack, the mama called all the little ones to eat. The fire kept them too scared to come any closer, but they must have been hungry. I dozed back off in the hammock. The next morning I woke up and walked to where I had thrown the fish. They had cleaned up every fin, bone, and drop of grease, and moved on with full bellies. My husband was hunting alone in eastern Oregon many years ago. He is an excellent hunter, only kills what we can eat and follows the rules. Even as a hunter he loves the forests and animals and would never kill wantonly. He came upon a man who had two baby cubs of the year on a big rock and was getting ready to shoot them off the rock. Their mother was dead nearby. He tried to stop the guy even though it was possible the cubs might not survive on their own. He asked the guy why he shot the mother bear, it wasn't bear season. No reason. The guy started staring hard at him and asked if my husband wanted to take the cubs place at which point my husband backed up and got the hell out of there. Later that night several odd things happened at his campsite and he felt someone was in the trees watching him. He got his rifle, his dog and equipment and again got the hell out of there. Not a real scary experience but he got goosebumps for years remembering it, only time he was really scared in the woods. I grew up in the very rural upper peninsula of Michigan and there were plenty of people living off the grid up there. The winters are brutal and any error could equal freezing to death. There was a kid in my middle school who came from one of these off the grid families and he could barely read let alone speak much, and always showed up dressed in muddy head to toe camo. One day the teacher caught him pissing on someone else's desk and when asked why he did it he simply said he wanted to leave his scent. Another time a girl showed up with a severed deer head in a garbage bag because she wanted to show off her hunt. Every year my friends and I go on a week-long canoe trip in Algonquin Park, usually to drink and fish. This past summer we had decided to stay on Tom Thompson Lake, if you know it, for our main site, which ended up being on an island in the middle of the lake. There were six of us in total, with one group of four in a large tent, one guy in a solo tent, and myself in a hammock between them. One night, we had been huddled around the fire at about 1 am, when we noticed a flare in the sky over what we assumed was an adjacent lake. We didn't think much of it until an awful scream came across the lake about 20 minutes later. I was the only one left sober at this time, and there wasn't much we could do, so we assumed it was the problem bear in the area we'd been warned of at the outfitters. The strange part came after everyone had gone to bed. 
At 4 a.m. the other five guys went to their tents and passed out, while I lay in my hammock listening to them fall asleep. For reference the group of four were about 30 feet to my right, and the other guy about 100 feet to my left on the far shore. As I watched the stars and tried to will myself to sleep, I noticed everything had gone incredibly silent. Suddenly feeling creeped out, I slowed my breathing and stayed as still as I could, thinking about the possible bear and how I was a neatly wrapped meat sack hanging there. Then, I heard a voice call out about 20 feet to my left, by the remains of our fire. It was the voice of my friend Seamus, who was one of the guys passed out in the large tent. Four hellos, with each one sounding more emotionless. Hello? 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 All said within maybe six seconds. Although I immediately recognized his voice, every instinct I had was on alert telling me not to respond. I stayed as quiet as a corpse for the next five minutes, listening for any movement, until I felt the tension leave the air. It disturbed me a lot to know how normally you can hear every movement in the sight, and yet I heard absolutely nothing. The next morning everyone told me they'd heard nothing, but we agreed to move sites early, since we'd all gotten an eerie vibe from that night. This was our sixth trip to Algonquin, and we've never had any creepy experiences before. I hope that what I heard that night was a camper, with an identical voice to my friend, who had come to see if the site was free, or Seamus had somehow stealthily sleptwalk out of his tent, but neither seems possible. I 100% would have heard them moving. Anyways, I can only hope nothing happens on future trips, but it will be hard to forget the fear of this event. When I was in middle school I coon hunted a lot, mostly with my dad, but I knew the hills and the hollers enough around our home in West Virginia that he would let me take friends. I could go anywhere I wanted, or the dogs let us, but I was told to shy away from this one old home place up in the hills, see before the government owned it, my great-great-grandmother's people owned it. She lived to the age of 107 and died when I was 15. She would always tell us if the dogs head to the old Rooney place, come home, the dogs will come out on the other side of the creek, or backtrack you all back out. No use you go fooling around that place. Well one night me and my friend Nubs, he's got nine and a half fingers due to a log splitter accident when he was ten, decided that we were gonna hunt that hollow exclusively. Had to be a prize grade coon up there, nobody hunts it. We took off up the creek road on foot with three of the best dogs I've ever had, Jake, Big, Broad Blue Tick with a Cold Nose, Slim Jim, Hot Nosed Red Tick, and Trapper John, Mean Bedeviled Extremely Talented Hound. Now you know when you get to the Rooney place because it's this big flat at the end of the creek road with big half-dead field trees and piles of field stones about every 30 feet at random for about half a mile that gradually turns up into a draw that peters out on the face of the mountain. This is before GPS collars or any of that stuff. I used my dad's old carbide lamp to walk by, and Nubs would use his dad's old wheat miner's light to spot way up in the tree. We would let the dogs run till we heard them bellowing are those long ball barks to signify treed, and walk to the dogs and dispatch the coon. About 500 yards ahead, with a short chase, the dogs barked treed. We started walking towards them up in the mouth of the cove, then the dogs took off again. 
This is not unheard of a coon can jump tree, come down another, and sneak off, and a circling dog picks up the fresh track and off they go again. This happened six more times in the next two hours, that was definitely weird, and then everything went silent, that's when I started shaking. I knew my dogs, I've watched two of them fight bear, nothing scared them. All the dogs came back to us with tail tucked, head low, quiet as hell. We were working on an exit plan when, you know when you shake a tree limb that it's rained on all night, and all the raindrops fall off all at once and hit the ground, that happened about 20 yards behind me, only this was a big rock oak, about 75 feet to the first limb. While we were trying to see what was in that tree, damned if the same thing didn't happen to the tree we were standing under. When Trapper John pissed himself at my feet I knew we had to get the hell out of that hollow. We backed out of there and ran home as fast as we could. Never hunted near the Rooney place again. I can't say for sure what was in that tree but to me it looked like a man running through the treetops. It was years before I ever ventured in that place in the daylight. Did a little digging at the courthouse when I was in college, come to find out it was a logging town when the Spanish flu came through, had a mill and everything. The flu killed so many people in that town that there wasn't enough living to bury the dead. My hometown's people went up and buried the dead. If you take a black crayon and a piece of paper, and scroll it on the biggest rock of the pile, it's names of the dead buried there. My great-great-grandmother's dad bought it for 450 off the lumber mill, burned the last of the structures, and farmed it for the rest of his life. When he died, my great-great-grandmother and her brothers sold it to the government. It's part of the Monongahela National Forest now. This was two decades ago. They used to do donkey tours in the Grand Canyon. You ride the donkey and then hike. You can camp, but we did the day tour. A woman that was probably in her late 60s early 70s was in front of me and on an incline started to act strange. She was swaying left and right as on a steep cliff which was very safe and wide. It swayed back and forth for maybe a minute and she was slumped over and then boom. It looked like she passed out and pulled the donkey to the left and fell over the cliff. I saw her tumble over and then they were just gone. I can't remember how far down the fall was, but it had to be over 100 feet. Immediately the guy jumped off at the front ran over and let out an audible scream before stopping after realizing she had a tour with her. A few people got off their donkey and she stopped them from peering over. A few of the other guides looked over and they made some radio calls and then we proceeded. It was very obvious that something really serious had happened, but we never found out. I'm pretty sure I watched a woman and a donkey fall to their death in the Grand Canyon. I had hiked in 15 miles to an alpine wilderness and just laid down for the night when a youngish guy in shorts and no bag pops out and asks me if I have water. I of course shared my water, he immediately said he had been hiking since yesterday, apparently him and his friend went way back and off trail, skirting some cliffs along the way. Then he just says half jokingly, yeah his brains are everywhere, I laughed half acidly, but he was sending off a really deadly vibe, not dangerous, just stone cold shock. I asked him to clarify that last part, 
and offered him food and a cigarette. I also ordered him to sit down, he didn't want to because he would lose his legs if he sat now, but I explained he needed to sit a while. Long story short, his friend slipped and fell and when he hit, his head popped and then his body got wedged in a crevasse. The guy I was talking to had spent all the previous day hiking around the cliff to find his friend, then had to hike out of the valley up the ridge and down again, all on Taylor's slope off trail. He was absolutely shredded, skinned, tore up. He was begging me to come with him and help me get his friend out of the hills. That's the part that really stuck with me, he got up and was about three feet into the bush when I grabbed him gently and said hey I got a phone we'll see if emergency service works. Somehow it did, and I have zero idea how, technically or otherwise. We were standing in a glacial cratered alpine lake, 15 miles from the trailhead. I got rescue up there, and man, I was super impressed with their response. Within a few hours the first group of volunteers were passing my camp, these guys all looked like supermen, and they were. All night afterwards a constant stream of rescue volunteers. I stayed camp and made a comfy spot for them to rest on the way down. They had to wait up there in whiteout conditions for six nights, but rather than leave they kept a constant vigil over the hiker's dead body. When the weather broke, a chopper flew in and took them all out. I've never been so deeply moved and impressed with that kind of selflessness in something we regard as a hobby, a sport. Words that take away the very dangerous nature of it. Read all these stories and it seems most are deaths by slip and fall. Happens too easy, don't take the chance with your life. As a native Floridian and avid hunter growing up I've seen and have heard lots of things in the woods around our great state. Some things were easy to understand and some things were just not explainable. Anyway, this is my and my mother's story. I had her proofread this before sending it to make sure I remember this correctly. It's the fall of 1976 and I was 5 years old. My mom and I lived in Kathleen, Florida on the edge of the green swamp. Back then it was a dirt road and there were only a couple of houses on the road and a relatively new trailer park at the end of the road. We had to drive a little less than half a mile back down our trail of a driveway to get to our home. It was an old wood frame home that was over 100 years old. We had an artesian well pump in the kitchen and for the first few months we lived there we had to heat the water on the gas stove to have hot bath water. This was an old cracker house on blocks and had a front porch that I used to play under all the time. The roof of the porch was on a pitch and the edge was over the wooden stairs. It measured 7 foot 6 from the ground to the roof line. So, it was nearly dusk when my mom and I were coming down the drive in her VW bus. She had lights on high to spot any deer that might be on the property. As we rounded the curve in the driveway and the lights shined on the house that's when we both saw it and it was big and broad and looking directly at our car. Now I'm not going to tell you it had big red eyes. The eye shine that I saw for only a split second was golden. It turned and walked down the side of the house between the cow pasture fence and the house. My mom hit the gas and went around the great oak tree that was at the corner of the porch. She got around the side of the house and we saw nothing. She grabbed a .38 revolver and jumped out of the car telling me to lock the doors. Little good that would have done looking back. 
So, with the car off headlights shining and my mom at our fence line, she stood and stayed quiet. Our hunting dogs that were in their kennels were whimpering. They normally barked at anything when we came home. Not this night. They were scared. There's more to the story. The next day we looked for prints. The porch and the oak tree size is relevant because it's what we use to size up our guest. The creature was standing next to our porch and his head was just under the edge of the roof 7 foot 6 at the edge of the overhang. So now, being older and having a firm grasp on measurement, I'm guessing this thing was 7 feet tall. It was nearly as thick or wide as the great oak tree. Based on what our landlord later told us, it was about 90 years old. We had cows and hunting dogs. We even had a calf that was about 400 pounds or so that I would hand feed and had bottle fed because his mother died shortly after birthing. Anyway, my mom was calling the calf to get him to come to the fence. It wouldn't come. She called again. Nothing. Silence. All of a sudden we heard the most god-awful scream from what we thought was that calf. And then, nothing. So, this whole time, I'm in the car. The door is locked and the windows cracked so I could hear. My mom ran back to the car. I opened her door and she backed us out of there quick and went to her girlfriend's house who lived about a half hour away. Mom was rattled. She talked the whole way. Did you see it? Yes mama, I saw it. It was big and hairy. Did you hear the calf? She asked. Mom I did. You think it's dead mama? Do you smell it? She slammed on the brakes and nearly put me in the dash. You could smell it too? Yes. It stunk bad. Worse than the dogs. We got to my mom's friend's house and she got on the phone with Mr. Goldsby. He was the landlord. She nervously told him what happened. She nearly dropped the phone. He said it was a skunk ape. It's been around for years. Damn thing stinks too. The next day we went home and met with Mr. Goldsby. He came to the house to see if we could find anything. We found footprints right by the porch where it stood when we saw it. We measured them and they were just over 15 inches long. Several tracks led to the fence. These tracks had nearly a 60 inch stride in between. Mom and Mr. Goldsby went into the cow pasture. She wouldn't let me come because there was a lot of dog fennel growing all around and some palmetto patches. They found the calf. It was dead and his neck and head had been pulled up and backward to where his spine was pulled up past his shoulders and broken. Mom said there was very blood around. My mom asked Mr. Goldsby why he didn't tell us about this before. He simply said he was so used to it coming around and not bothering anything that he didn't think he needed to. We moved two weeks later.